Hi everyone, so this is the uh, second scenario to accompany the ischemia uh, knowledge video. Uh, for those of you that are listening to this through podcast, again, there will be a few ECG images, uh, which, are, which you obviously won't be able to see through podcast. So just log on to the, the website and you'll be able to see the videos where the ECG images will be displayed. Over to you. Okay, uh, so the scenario is a patient presents with chest pain to the emergency department. Here is his ECG. Please talk through what the ECG shows and what you want to do next. Okay, so this is an ECG of a patient who's in sinus rhythm with borderline uh, first degree heart block and He's got ST depression uh, in uh, V2 to V4. Um, and so this is suggestive of uh, a patient who's uh, suggestive of ACS and um, he's got ongoing chest pain, ongoing chest pain with skimming ECG changes, suggestive of an end STEMI. So next thing we'd like to do is assess this patient, first of all, making sure he's uh, stable and then moving on to examine the patient uh, with uh, basic uh, bedside tests, such as a bedside uh, echo. Okay, I'll, I'll, I'll interrupt you there. So let's say you're concerned about the ST depression um, and uh, someone does a posterior ECG. And now this reveals ST elevation in the new leads of V7 and V9, which you can see there. What does this indicate to you? Okay. Um, so this, this tells me that this patient is having uh, a posterior STEMI, which is uh, a cardiology emergency. So I would treat this now as a STEMI. So I would ensure the patient is uh, stable um, and think about commencing treatment for STEMI, which includes dual antibiotic therapy, um, uh, analgesia for the pain if needed, um, oxygen if he's hypoxic, uh, and moving on to assess the patient with bedside echo um, and uh, blood gas, and then activating the primary PCI pathway, talking to my consultant about activating the primary PCI pathway uh, because he's... Okay. So let's say you activate the primary PCI pathway. Um, who, what, who are the team members um, that are involved and needed um, for that pathway? So the team members that should be called uh, with the pathway are uh, the cardiology consultant um, who will be the operator then we'll also need a, a cardiac uh, radiographer. Um, you'll need a um, you need a scrub nurse to uh, to help with the procedure as well, uh, as well as yourself as a, a second operator. Um, if this is PCI. Okay, so you you contact your consultant and he asks you to consent and ready the patient for the primary PCI. Talk to me through how you would go about doing that. Okay, so to can get the bed patient ready, I would 
do simple things such as uh, blood gas, make sure the patient's clinically and hemodynamically uh, stable. And I would assess the patient to see if there's other signs of heart failure, to see whether they're pulmonary edema and try and stabilize the patient as needed for um, angiography. Uh, as I mentioned, a bedside um, echo and consenting the, then consenting the patient. So it, uh, consent the patient for angiography plus angio, angioplasty. Uh, so that would be uh, talking through the risks. So uh, risks of um, uh, risks of the injury to injury to the blood vessels, bleeding, infection. Uh, and then more serious things uh, such as damage to the uh, damage to their lungs, uh, further heart attack, death, stroke, uh, cardiac tamponade, um, uh, all things that I would consent him for. In fact, the risk of the benefits would be to treat his uh, coronary artery occlusion uh, as evidenced by his uh, ECG showing posterior stem. Okay. So you do a, a bedside transthoracic echo, um, and here is a still of what you see. Could you describe to me uh, any significant findings? Okay, so this is um, an apical four-chamber view, and it's a still showing the right ventricle, right atrium, left ventricle, and left atrium. Um, I wonder if it's uh, maybe slightly, slightly dilated, um, slightly dilated ventricle. Uh, yeah, maybe slightly dilated uh, right ventricle. Okay. So um, can you talk to me through um, the difference in the setting of ACS uh, if you identified right ventricular failure versus left ventricular failure? So left ventricular failure uh, is more likely to lead to complications such as pulmonary edema. Um, and so you need to be more concerned about oxygenation and treating pulmonary edema um, acutely, um, which, uh, which might need uh, Cruise minor blood pressure can take it, or more and more emergency setting, uh, things such as CPAP uh, and anaesthetic support. And, and then in right ventricular failure, I suppose you still get signs of uh, fluid overload, uh, more like things such as a raised JVP uh, and peripheral fluid tension. And so you'd be less likely to encounter respiratory problems in right ventricular failure in setting of ACS. Okay, so uh, currently the, uh, there is another patient in the cath lab uh, and your patient is waiting outside of it. Uh, you're alerted by the nursing staff who are concerned uh, because they have dropped their blood pressure um, and they're worried that the patient is deteriorating. Um, talk to me through how you would uh, assess this. So given the patient is hypotensive um, and is having a uh, STEMI, I would think about assessing the patient um, in an A to E fashion. 
but quickly so I get a basic set of OBS and try and think about what else could be going on, something that complications of an MI such as um, pituitary muscle rupture, uh, such as a BSD, uh, other things such as um, uh, cardiac tamponade. Uh, so I'd assess this using bedside echo. I do an ECG to see if there are any further changes. Um, perhaps he's having uh, an arrhythmia. Um, the other things that could have happened is could have had complications from his uh, MIs going into heart failure. So I might think about calling uh, the anaesthetist becoming very hypotensive uh, to help uh, to help start uh, either trips in in this patient, perhaps to try and bring the blood pressure up, try and stabilize him uh, for the procedure. Okay. So you, you mentioned about uh, escalating and getting help. So let's say this patient continues to deteriorate. Who else might you call for help? Apart from the anaesthetists? Yeah. Uh, so I suppose I'd want to let my consultant know uh, about what's going on uh, with the patient and see if they had any thoughts or suggestions. Um, uh, your, your consultant um, is in the in the lab uh, with the previous patient. Uh, maybe talk to one of the other consultants on call uh, about what's going on with the with the Sunwell patient and see if uh, there's anything else they might suggest uh, whilst the anaesthetic team are on their way. Okay. So uh, you mentioned about uh, the anaesthetic team. Um, so when managing an ST elevation MI. Could you describe some of the red flags that you might see in a patient where you'd need to ask for anesthetic support? So I think if a patient's, um, the patient's very hypotensive, uh, which is refractory to uh, anything we, we can do on the ward, uh, that's definitely a time where you need anesthetic support. Uh, also if the patient's becoming very hypoxic uh, and going into uh, uh, dangerous pulmonary edema, uh, which might need CPAP plus minus uh, intubation. That's also an area where we'd need um, anaesthetic support. Uh, if uh, the patient was uh, going into VT, uh, that might be an area where we need um, anaesthetic support uh, as well. Okay, thank you very much. That's the end of the scenario. Thank you.